Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Legal Conversations. Let's welcome Jared Poole, who is an attorney at Schumann Law Incorporated, and we are talking um, about the process of um, applica- um, applying for a protection order and uh, possibly how to ensure that, you know, whoever you have opened a protection order against is um, adhering to those terms and conditions in that protection order. A-teamers, I'd like you to join in on this conversation because I know there's a lot of you who have had this process uh, done, but uh, perhaps you have some questions or you are struggling with some elements of the protection order. Call in on 011-714-2006 or you can WhatsApp on uh, 0614104107. SMSs go to 41391. Jared, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Hi, Patricia, and hi to all the 18 as well. So, Jared, a protection order. This process is mm-hmm. one that is very, very different from just going up to the police station and opening up a case. Please take us through, yes. um, you know, what the process is to open up a protection order in South Africa. So firstly, uh, protection orders are governed by two different acts in South Africa, um, depending on the relationship that you have with the respondent in the matter. Um, If it is one of a domestic relationship, then you would be using the uh, Domestic Violence Act, uh, which provides for a protection order to protect you from domestic violence, being, you know, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional, verbal, psychological abuse. Um, economic abuse, intimidation, harassment, all those kinds of things. Um, if, however, it's not a domestic relationship, um, then you would apply for protection order from harassment in, in terms of the Protection from Harassment Act. And that would just be with regards to safety of a person. And, and so that would include things like, obviously, preventing you from being um, you know, physically abused or from being stalked or pursued or being accosted in any way. So now, when you're going to apply for this protection order, what is it that you require in the various cases? So the the, the courts are set up um, to deal with um, complainants that come forward in order to provide as much access to justice as possible. And so in that regard, the first step that you would take is to just um, approach a court that is in the area of where either the incident has taken place or uh, where the, the respondent resides. And what you want to do is you want to be able to, or you want to go to the building and you want to ask them for the um, specific officers that deal with um, the protection order matters. And you'll speak to a clerk of the court who is essentially there to ensure that your um, situation is addressed insofar as helping you to make a statement and helping you to basically compile all the different uh, points of evidence that you have. So in terms of what you need, um, you know, evidence can be submitted either orally um, or written submissions can be made. What normally happens is, is that they allow you to make a statement. Um, they, they have a conversation with you and help you to just, um, you know, articulate yourself well enough to um, make the various acts of harassment known to the magistrate that will be considering your matter. Um, and then from there, your application form is taken through to the magistrate for consideration, and, and they will then consider um, your application uh, for, for protection order. 
You know, sometimes uh, victims have uh, come out to say, I've got a protection order, but I was told because I opened this protection order in Limpopo and now I'm based in uh, Gauteng, uh, it no longer holds any water. So this person can come close to me. This person that I've opened this against um, is allowed to, you know, come into the home that I've got now because the home that's stipulated in the protection order specifically says which address I was living in in Limpopo. Is this true? There's, there's actually provisions for this in, for instance, the Domestic Violence Act that will help in situations like that where there's some uncertainty. So, for instance, normally what happens is in, in judicial cases where um, jurisdiction is transferred, there would be a, what they call a CCJ um, application, which is essentially just where the application is transferred from one court to another. But obviously, in terms of domestic violence, time is against you. And so in, in instances like that, um, the Domestic Violence Act, for instance, um, specifically allows um, a, a what they call a respite peace officer without a warrant, whereby any, any policeman who comes to a certain scene and he realizes that there is an issue of domestic violence um, or there's been an incident of domestic violence, he may actually then um, um, uh, arrest the um, respondent in the matter at the scene um, in order to firstly secure the um, safety of the victim in the matter, and secondly, to just ensure that there's no further abuse that's suffered in such a situation as well. So, you know, a police officer or a policeman is still able to, a police officer is still able to um, attend to the premises and to effect an, uh, an arrest without um, the specific warrant um, that you receive once your protection order is finalized. You know, Jared, there are other instances where I will ask myself, is the law um, equal or is the law when it comes to protection orders subjective to where you are residing? Certain police stations have been known to give or certain even courts have been known to give uh, the protection order um, to the person who's complaining to go and deliver to the person they are complaining about. And that to me just doesn't make sense. So is the standard practice and maybe I'm the one who's missing the plot or is this something that should be reported and if it should be reported where should it be reported to yeah no that's that's definitely something that I don't think is even um, a, a good idea or recommended in terms of standard practice I mean you essentially are going to approach the person that is inflicting all of this harm on you um, to personally tell them to, to stop doing this and normally I know that the procedure that I usually use with the matters that I handle is that I either, depending on the seriousness of the allegations, I either get the sheriff of the court um, to deliver the um, the protection order documents to the respondent, or um, the act actually allows for a member of the South African Police Services to actually attend to the residence of the respondent to serve them and to also um, ensure that, you know, if it is that any weapons needs to be removed from the respondent's position, then um, the court can give the authority to have those weapons removed by a, a member of the police services. Um, if it is that you are facing a situation whereby you have now been, you know, given whatever documents to serve on the respondent and they're telling you to serve it um, on your own, uh, that is definitely um, a... a a reason or failure by a member of SAPS to comply with, with an obligation imposed on them. And if that is the case, 
Um, the South African Police Service is actually supposed to institute a, a disciplinary process against an officer in that kind of regard, um, whereby they, for instance, you know, tell the person to and serve these documents themselves, um, or for instance, in a situation whereby they say that you need to, for whatever reason, um, take any of the obligations that are, are, are bound on them onto your own person. Let me go to a voice note here. Please remember, A-teamers, uh, you can join in on the conversation. Ask your questions around the process or procedure of a protection order in South Africa. You can join in via SMS on 41391 or via WhatsApp on 0614104107 to call in. You can do so on 011-714-2006. Hi, uh, good evening, Patricia and your guest there. I have a, a question uh, for your guest. If um, someone went to, to the magistrate court and um, make an application for protection order, and then um, the suspect was called um, to, to appear uh, to court, I mean, or maybe in front of the magistrate um, to tell whether, I mean, um, the the protection order should be warranted or not, and then he give um, his reasons. Um, and then the magistrate find out that the victim um, has made some uh, false allegations um, so that she can have a, a protection order for the guy to stay away from uh from the baby actually doesn't want she doesn't want the man to be close to the baby and then she went and make a protection order and make false allegations and then the the magistrate um um didn't approve that after the man uh, gave his side of the story so my question is what what should happen to someone who goes and try to make some false accusations? I mean, uh, intending to make a protection order to prevent someone, I mean, to be close to, to his child. What are the consequences there? Or maybe uh, people just get away with it just like that. Hmm. Very important question that hmm. uh, please weigh in on it, Jared. Yeah, so uh, unfortunately that is a situation that we find in a lot of occasions whereby um, you know, people, because of the nature of a uh, protection order that is meant to be there to afford uh, victims a very swift um, access to justice, and the mechanism is there to be able to protect people that are, are really considered vulnerable. But often you find these stories where, you know, there's been some kind of fabrication of the, of the story, and that's what's been used to essentially get this protection order against someone. And, and you know, we can deal with that in two ways. The first way is that normally when a protection order matter is, um, is instituted, if it is that, for instance, without any warning to the respondent, an applicant has now gone and told, uh, told tales at, at court, an, an interim order is only issued whereby it affords the respondent the opportunity to come back to court and to explain their side of the story so that the protection order is not finalized against them and the matter is actually set aside. Um, if it is that for whatever reason you've missed the court date and, for instance, the protection order was finalized against you, you can then still apply. And if you can improve that there has been, um, you know, some kind of, of um, material or misrepresentation by the complainant, you can then have that um, the, um, the the protection order either varied or set aside completely. 
Um, and that you'll just have to show good cause for why this needs to occur. Um, and, and that's the most important part of the whole process is that it's a process that although it affords a lot of protection to a victim, it also affords a respondent the opportunity to have their side of the, of the um, situation heard before court. And they are also able to present evidence and to, to lead evidence to show that they are in fact innocent and that this has been a, a witch hunt, for instance. Here's a message here uh, from Anonymous who says, Good evening, uh, Sis Pat. Someone applied for a protection order against me with false information for about three times now. Each time they didn't come to court for the set date on the protection order. How can I prove my innocence on this case if they don't come to court? Because now I'm tired of having police coming to my place. And and this is also um, something that you are, that you can consider um, you know, there's a very wide ambit of what is considered to be, for instance, harassment when it comes to these matters. And so in a situation like that where you've got, um, you know, three different um, uh, cases or three different uh, times where you've been called to court and said that, listen, this is what's happening to, this is the, the allegations against you and they, you know, there's always a fabrication and there's always a, um, a, a, a complainant that doesn't show up then, you know, you even have the ability to then take out a um, protection order for protection against harassment against the complainant in that matter. And then again, the, the situation will be very similar. Instead, the roles will just be reversed, whereby you will then be able to approach the court and say, you know, listen, on three different occasions now this has happened. Um, you know, I, I consider this to be um, someone that is accosting me now and harassing me by using and making um a a um, how can I say making use of the court system in order to um you know just cause a lot of harm to me and, and a lot of um emotional um, um damage to me as well. Um I need to be protected by the law insofar as it would allow it to not um or insofar as it would not allow the complainant to bring all of these um applications against me for no reason. And then the court can then consider that um, situation as an instance of harassment whereby then the person who was the complainant in other instances will be called to court to be able to give their side of the story and it will work very much the same as the other applications where both sides are heard um, and, and then you'd be able to for instance if it is finalized um, have a finalized protection order against her uh, or the complainant to prevent them from, from using the court system unreasonably. So there are ways to ensure that a protection order is enforced. For some who say, well, the person who's my perpetrator has told me point blank that they don't care that I've got this piece of paper called a protection order. They will gain access to me. They will do whatever they want because, after all, it's just a piece of paper. Um, How can we give comfort to, to such a person? I, I always, um, you know, it, it's, it's considering the situation we find ourselves in as a country, it's, um, I always try and, you know, encourage people to seek protection from the law because it will then, um, if used properly, show others and hopefully um, inspire others to also, you know, come forward for their own protection and to give them that power so that they can actually make applications in instances where, um, their safety is being threatened or um, there has been a breach of, of, of such safety. And um, when it comes to the protection orders as well, um, you know, again, within the ambit of what 
the um, the legislation allows or empowers uh, South African police services to to act on is that if they know that there is imminent danger that you are about to suffer um, as a direct co- uh, a result of a breach of a protection order matter or protection order um, uh, that has been finalized and the warrant of arrest that's been issued. Um, and there's a reasonable grounds to suspect that you know they, that you will be able to suffer imminent danger. Um, the the uh, member of the South African Police Service can then arrest the respondent um, for that that um, that instance as well. And so it's very much important to remember that when it comes to the order being finalised, you have a warrant of arrest issued or given to you that is already issued in the in the event of there being a breach of the obligations placed on the respondent. And that empowers you to involve the South African police services as soon as there is either an imminent breach to the closes or if there has been such breach and they are then by law, they have to then act in accordance with the obligations placed on them. Let me go t- quickly to Anonymous on the line. A team Anonymous, good evening. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to find out as to whether the protection order does expire or not. Good question. Thank you. Um, Jared, uh-huh. please respond. Yeah, that's also also a very good question that we also get a lot. Um, so the protection order does not expire until it is set aside by a court. Um, and so that is why the court or why the legislation has that provision that allows for you to um, to approach the court to either vary or set aside an order. So once an order is finalized, it is actually finalized um, uh, indefinitely. Um, but the respondent may, for instance, like we said, if good cause is shown, um, the respondent may then apply to have the protection order uh, set aside. Jared, thank you so very much for shedding light on all these uh, questions. And uh, we really, really appreciate your time. Please give us contact.